Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Market. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on what is actually, Brendan, I know you're in Los Angeles, a beautiful day in the city of Chicago as the Cubs and White Sox wrapped up on the southern portion of this fine City, the Cubs taking two of three from the Chicago White Sox, sending Hawk Harrelson home uh, unhappy with his final broadcast. And Brendan, I know it is literally the most important thing in the world to you, but the Cubs secure the Crosstown Cup. Can you believe it? I, you know what? I look forward to this every year, more so than the playoffs. As long as we get that Crosstown Cup, my life is complete. There was uh, a moment in the post game on Saturday when the Cubs secured the cup. I, I don't, I don't know how they determined that because the White Sox still could have split uh, the season series with a win today. But whatever, they already assumed it and, was inevitable. That's what happened there. Uh, sure, but Kelly Cruel from NBC Chicago gave the cup to Baez, of and the look in Javi's eyes of like, what is this trophy? Why do I care about this? Like what's going on? It was, was so like palpable off the screen. It was really amusing. Yeah. Um, you know, just especially a guy who has been handed, uh, the NLCS MVP trophy, a world series trophy. Yes, the world there series was just trophy. this look in his eyes. Yeah. There was this look in his eyes like, um, thanks. I, I, I think this is nice. Um, so that was kind of funny, but anyway, we will recap uh, those three games with the Chicago White Sox as we head into literally the final week of the season. Seven games left, all at Wrigley Field. The Cubs will enter Monday night's contest with a magic number of five. We do have uh, some other stuff to talk about. We will delve into the Addison Russell situation, as I am sure 
All of you are familiar that uh, that situation has resurfaced, never really went away, but uh, back in the news and Addison Russell placed on administrative leave, so not even with the club at this current juncture. So we will uh, discuss that. We will discuss uh, the looming decisions of playoff roster and, again, touch on uh, what we are headed into in this final week of baseball with the Cubs uh, still trying to wrap up the NL Central. First, let us run through these three games with the Chicago White Sox. They started on Friday. And in a trend I wasn't aware of, Brendan, but was uh, some good stats provided during the game by the NBC Chicago team, Jose Quintana on Friday continuing a sort of long history, at least recently, of bigger-named White Sox pitchers returning to the south side of Chicago and not doing very well. Uh, I know they put up the lines for John Garland, Mark Burley, guys like that. John Garland, and. Yes, uh, an interesting name drop, not one I would have uh, expected on this podcast. Though, wasn't he drafted by the Cubs originally? I think he was, a long time ago. I think I, I don't think I'm making that up, but yeah, uh, that's, a darker, that's a darker age of Cubs Oof. baseball. We try not to talk about that too much. But anyway, Quintana goes five. He allows nine hits, five earned runs, zero walks, and eight strikeouts. It was an interesting start for Quintana because he really came out in that first inning, uh, he looked to be throwing with a little adrenaline. There was some gas on that fastball, and he was blowing guys away. Uh, and then it kind of unraveled from there. He gave up a three-run home run to, uh, do you pronounce it Kevin Smith? K-A-V-A-N? I think so. Or is it That's how I Kavon did it. Or? That's how I did it. I don't know. Kevin, Kavon, Kevon, I don't know. I've never seen it with an A before. So uh, Kevon, maybe. He homered his second his second of the year made it three to one. Uh, actually, a friend of mine, Ryan Lamar, doubled to bring in a run to make it four to one. I worked with him at the University of Michigan. And uh, Daniel Palka with a big home run that made it six to one. And Lamar, again, with a single, made it seven to one. I'm going to stop it there. Uh, I don't think you guys need to hear how the White Sox scored all these runs. I think the important thing of note in this game uh, from the Cubs' perspective was Quintana's start, which was, you know, a little hit or miss. He looked really good at portions of this game and, uh, you know, obviously not so good uh, for other portions of it. Certainly, no, he was disappointed not to perform well in his return to the south side. Uh, And the other thing that stood out to me uh, before moving on to the games that the Cubs won was Daniel Murphy leads off this game with a home run. He goes three for five in this game, uh, scoring two runs, looked a lot better. Good to see Daniel, uh, you know, back stroking the ball well and uh, looking like a formidable option at the top of that Cubs lineup. Moving on to Saturday, it was ya boy, number 34, John Lester picking up his 17th win of the season. It's a shame he won't be able to get 20. I know that that's kind of an arbitrary number in uh, today's day and age, but I it just sort of feels like one of those seasons where he's deserved it. Well, he'll get 20 but in he, total once he goes to the playoffs, you know? That's true. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, yep. Um, that is true. A very good point from yeah. Brendan there, but he goes five <laughs> innings giving up eight hits, two earned runs, zero walks, and four strikeouts. A uh, really solid thing that stands out, jumping ahead you know, a tiny bit to Sunday, uh, Hendricks and Lester, zero walks on Saturday and Sunday. Love I love, love pointing that out, uh, and I will continue to do so. I think that that is a very 
important statistic, especially as you head into the playoffs here. But uh, one note on John Lester, uh, if you'll if you'll indulge me here to talk only about John one, Lester only for a one. moment. Um, he improved his historical record with the Cubs to sixty and thirty-one. He has a three point three six ERA over that time, so his entire time with the Chicago Cubs. He has made thirty-two starts in each of his first three seasons with the team, and when he takes the mound on Thursday at Wrigley Field, that will be number thirty-two for the fourth straight season. I have said this many, many times, and I will continue to say it, but if you are not appreciating what John Lester is doing, uh, that is on you. He has been worth well more than what the Cubs paid him in that contract. It is uh, a borderline steal at this point for what he is doing, and for him to be doing it in the fourth year of this deal is uh, pretty remarkable, but it will pretty easily, Brendan, go down as one of the biggest free agent signings, certainly in Chicago Cubs history, and I think debatably uh, Chicago sports history. And I think the only thing that uh, tends to bother me when I think about John Lester and the Chicago Cubs is I, you know, I kind of wish that him and Kerry Wood didn't have the same number. It's going to get a little awkward here uh, going forward, but think um big bad johnny making a pretty strong case that uh that number belongs to him Ooh, wow over wood oh 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 is that uh is that a shots fired situation <laughs> I mean, kind of you're gonna have some people not too happy about that <laughs> i love carrie wood but i mean i tell me right now you think he deserves if they put that number up you know only one time in the wrigley field stands i I would have a tough time making the argument. I think he's not close. I think I think he's close. He has maybe one more deep postseason run. Then yes, but right now I don't. I don't know. You're going to have a lot of people be upset about that. I love Kerry Wood. So do I. So I'm, just saying, not, I'm just saying. This is not. You know, look, Brendan and I. We try to be you know more of an analytical, straightforward podcast. But you Very know, sometimes I catch yes. myself. Sometimes I catch I catch myself, Brendan. You know, I'll watch Pardon the Interruption or things like that, and I'll think. You know, I need to get a little more hot takey on my You're podcast. You're big on I'm Michael Wilbon start fan, saying things. Yeah. Oh, my, oh man. <laughs> going to have to delete that part. But, you know, just sometimes, you know, maybe let's say some stuff to uh, stir the pot a little bit. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I, like, I, all I intended to say was I wish they had different numbers because then you wouldn't really have this problem. Well, you know, but, Johnny did call uh, up Carrie and he's like, you know, can I have your 34 before he actually took the number when he signed back yes. in 2014. So, or 2015. Yes. So, you know. Who knows? And a good example of both of them being uh, the fine, upstanding gentlemen that they are. John reaching out uh, and doing that, and Carrie, of course, uh, agreeing. Yeah. So we're all one. We're all one big happy family here. Uh, don't take that last comment or that last uh, scenario from me necessarily too seriously. It's all in good fun. But uh, the Cubs getting their runs in this one, and Prenton. As luck would have it, what a transition this is. Uh, the first run on Saturday is a home run, a two-run home run by Javi Baez. And guess what number of the year it was 34, Corey. 34 for you, El Mago. Did you plan that seriously? I did not. Well, that no, was I, well done. You, I, think you, I, I think you and all of our listeners know me better than to think that I could plan numbers. be so smooth. Yeah, so smooth <laughs> with something like that. Um, uh, well done. But that is number 34 for El Mago, uh, hashtag my MVP, just like Theo Epstein is my president. Javi Baez is my NL MVP. 
That made it two to nothing Cubs in the first. The White Sox would tie things up on a Tim Anderson home run in the third. That made it two to two. Uh, and the Cubs would regain the lead for good in the fifth. A Daniel Murphy double and a Ben Zobrist single made it five to two Cubs. The White Sox would add one on a Matt Davidson single, and then the Cubs would add three more in the ninth. Albert Almora, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo doing the damage there. The final in this one, eight to three. Again, Lester with his 17th win of the year over Lucas Giolito. On Sunday, the finale for Hawk Harrelson. Don't let the door hit you on the way out there, buddy. Kyle Hendricks uh, putting on a master class. I think he will be a sizable portion of this podcast, perhaps, uh, as he has been really, really good over a stretch. And I said this to you, Brendan, before, but I, I think often we've pointed out that he looks really good or, you know, he's he's getting in form as the year goes along, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, maybe that we weren't seeing or, you know, holding our breath necessarily that kind of 2016 Cy Young worthy, call it vintage Kyle Hendricks. Um, I think we're starting to we're see that, it. Brendan. We're seeing it. Yeah. Seeing and, it. you know, you look at some of his numbers, Obviously, the last two starts, the one in Arizona, he comes very close to a complete game. Which probably was uh, his best start, in my opinion, that we've seen all year from that Arizona series. He was incredible. Yeah, and, you know, he flirts with a complete game shutout, you know, ultimately falls an out short of getting the complete game. And then on Sunday, he delivers seven and two-thirds sterling innings, four hits, one earned run, again, zero walks and five strikeouts. That's his 13th W of the year. Uh, He had that change-up working, getting whiffs. Just sort of a classic uh, Kyle Hendricks lecture at the ballpark uh, from the professor. Cubs getting their runs in this one. They put up three in the first. It was a good series for the Cubs in terms of getting on the board early. An Anthony Rizzo double, an Albert Almora ground out, and a David Bodie single bring home three. And then Brendan... I don't know if you were watching this. Uh, I am in Chicago, so I, I felt like, you know, let, let me indulge Hawk Harrelson for at least a moment for the last time. It's obviously been uh, something I've been forced to listen to uh, basically my entire life. So I figured, you know what, let's see what's going on. You know, I don't mind hearing Steve Stone from occasion. So I don't like let's Steve check Stone. It out. I'm going to be honest with you there. But we'll, that's, I'm not that's surprised very different with day. that. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, I could explain why, but it just doesn't. It doesn't surprise me at all. Okay. But the alderman, I think, of this uh, some ward in Chicago. I don't know how that all works, even. But some guy from Chicago was presenting uh, Hawk with the declaration that it was Hawk Harrelson Day or something like that in Chicago, and. I kid you not, I retweeted this on the at uh, Real Cubs Insider Twitter account. As this was happening, Kyle Schwarber hit a 450 foot home I run it. into the stands at uh, Guaranteed Rate Park or Field, whatever they call that place. Now, <laughs> It literally, as the guy was talking, it was like, and I'd like to present you on behalf of Chicago. Boom. <laughs> I, it, it, you That's could not have timing, timed though. it. That's just bad timing on their it, part. It, what are it, they doing? I read some, one of the replies on the tweets was, you, you literally could not have timed that better if Schwarber and the Alderman had, like, 
linked up beforehand and said, okay, when I start talking, you know, it was so perfect. I, I honestly couldn't believe it. And the dead silence from Hawk as this ball is traveling out and then kind of the, uh, okay, anyway, uh, what were you saying? (laughs) Perfect. Uh, A perfect send off uh, on this Sunday afternoon, but that made it three, uh, four to nothing Cubs. Kyle's 26th homer of the year, and actually, a little tidbit, the first of the year for Kyle off of a left-handed pitcher. So a little interesting little note there. Uh, Carlos Rondon is the first victim as a left-hander to be taken deep by Kyle Schwarber in 2018. Kyle would add another RBI with a double in the third. Ian Happ reaching on a fielder's choice. Uh, that David Bodie scored on, and that made it six to nothing Cubs. The White Sox scoring in the bottom of the fifth on a Tim Anderson ground rule double, but that was all she wrote. Jorge De La Rosa comes in for an inning and a third. He strikes out three. He continues to look like a valuable member of this bullpen, which uh, <laughs> is certainly not anything. I think either Brendan or I were expecting, but Joe keeps putting him out there and he keeps getting results. So there is certainly nothing wrong with that. So those are the three games uh, with the Chicago White Sox. I will throw it to you, Brendan, just some general thoughts. Uh, Again, the Brewers taking two of three from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So the magic number remains at two, or excuse me, the division lead remains at two and a half. The magic number falls to five. Uh, I, you know, know that you, you know, you might think Albert Almora when you see that, but I, you know, sometimes think Nomar Garcia Parra when I see that five. Uh, I think of Nomar Garcia Brendan, Parra think, just laying on the turf, grabbing his groin that ended his Cubs career. That's what I did. think of. Terrible image. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> but uh, okay. A- anyway, yeah. uh, give us some thoughts on that, and then we'll we'll, we'll jump into uh, you know kind of explaining where we're at with this Addison Russell. Okay, situation. so my first thought from the series one is Kyle Schwarber, and I'm always reminded that sometimes I forget what players are doing value wise. Schwarber has a 351 woba this year, Corey. He has been worth over 3.2 WAR for the season. And this is all under 500 plate appearances. Granted, a lot of that war is contributed by his defensive value, but a 350 Woba is pretty good. And I think over times of the year, we forget, like, hey, the Cubs have a 25-year-old left-handed slugging outfielder that's under team control for many years. So that's the first thing that stands out. Second thing, I think, of course, is Hendricks. He's looked much better than I think at any point even in 2017. And this is probably the best I've seen him look since that 2016 season. He's throwing more four-seamers this month than he did in the previous months. I don't know if that's a, a, a side effect of the teams he's facing or a conscious effort to change, whatever. But he's throwing it faster as well. In that Arizona start, he was throwing his second-highest, fastest velocity of the season. In the start against the White Sox and on Sunday, he was throwing 88-89 once again. So he does this. He, he did the same thing last year where he, he ramps up the velocity once October approaches. So well, I don't know why that happens, but it happens. So those are my two takeaways. One, Schwarber, and two, Hendricks. Yeah, I think you know we've 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 tried to keep perspective on Schwarber throughout the year. I think pointing out how good he's been, and you know certainly since he came back from the minor league stint in 2017, just like how good those numbers have been. I mean, um, really but, good. <laughs> yeah, and you know, look, I, I think that he's basically developed into the player um, that a lot of people would have hoped for. But, but, but you know what? Uh, though? I don't. I don't think like. You would probably admit, too, we, we don't think 
Schwarber has reached his peak. Like we know there's a lot more no. left in, in in improving for him, which is exciting. Yeah, but I think but I think for him right now to be uh, a serviceable fielder, obviously when you include his um above average arm strength he's able to you know kind of take that to a slightly better level mm-hmm. and you know look he's hitting bombs he he puts together good at bats uh, and like you said you know a 350 woba from your left fielder you know he's still young he's you know obviously dealt with uh some some hurdles in his career with the knee injury yeah i, I think you know this is a, a very a very solid season for kyle schwarber yeah i agree and most of the improvements he's made this year have been against pitches inside the zone and with the the Cubs offense being so inconsistent, and especially within the last two weeks, having more power back in a lineup that's healthy is a huge boost. You know, with KB shoulder continuing to be a little bit of a not a concern, maybe it is a concern, who knows? But just a little bit of a of an aware situation. He didn't play Sunday because of the fatigue. And the power has been down from Wilson Contreras and, and Rizzo even at times, too, because of his back issues. But he's looked phenomenal recently. So having that, that power back in the middle of the order come October in the next week and a half is, in my mind, very much a relief. So, all right, guys. Uh, unfortunately, we have had more conversations like this than I think Brendan and I would like. Um, you know, we say all the time that we... Hope to just talk about baseball, um, you know, and analyze baseball and stuff like that. But sometimes the the stuff that happens uh, is obviously out of our control, and it necessitates a conversation. So, on I think it was late Thursday night. It was very late. Uh, I actually read the letter at I think like one thirty in the morning here in Chicago. Um, Addison Russell's ex wife posted on uh, I believe her blog some details of the situation that you know you've all heard of and that we've we've all uh, heard of and read about um from last year where you know there was that Instagram comment suggesting that Addison had been physically abusive with her it was deleted it was from a friend and the MLB investigation uh didn't get anywhere with that so you know Russell was uh excused for a bit last year and then ultimately came back and we haven't heard anything of it uh really until thursday night friday morning here in chicago uh the letter was troubling uh there was obviously some very serious stuff in in the letter that she detailed um of the physical and emotional abuse and that, of course, got the attention of Theo Epstein, Joe Madden, Major League Baseball, and Addison Russell was placed on administrative leave. So what that means is basically in any regular job, uh, you still make your paycheck, uh, but you are not allowed to report to work. So he is not allowed at the ballpark, he's not allowed with the team, uh, and he was not with the team uh, on the south side of Chicago. Of course, Addison Russell, uh, through the Major League Baseball Players Association, has spoken out and denied the allegations as he did uh, a year ago. We've seen, uh, you know, it, it, it get a little ugly on social media uh, with, you know, some members of Russell's family coming to his defense, uh, his current girlfriend uh, coming to his defense. And, you know, unfortunately, that is how situations like this play out. I don't really think that Brendan or I uh, are qualified to really delve into the nuances of this. It is a very uh, tricky situation, um, 
and one that has an awful lot of nuance that I, I, I really don't feel qualified to speak on. Um, I, I think that, you know, again, there there's a lot that goes into this and you, you have two families and, and people and human beings who are involved in this. So, um, you know, my instinct is to read the letter and, you know, uh, believe what is being said, but, you know, also uh, understand that, you know, there there is an investigation that needs to take place. There is uh, due diligence that needs to be done here. And, you know, ultimately, I, I think that all I can hope uh, is that they're able to get a clear idea of, you know, uh, where the truth is and, you know, that they can proceed correctly in, in that way. Um, but I think that currently Addison being away from the team, placed on administrative leave, uh, is the right decision for all parties involved. And, you know, I think that uh, some people, you know, you, you definitely see it in the, in the responses to the stories and, and the stuff that, you know, we and Evan have written over at CubsInsider.com, um, you know, that there are a lot of people who wonder why, you know, that happens to Addison, you know, just because uh, his ex-wife says this. And it's because that's how something like this works. They, they need to look into this. These are very serious claims. Uh, yeah. Whoever you decide to believe is up to you. I'm not, I'm not really here to lecture you on that. Um, but the only way for them to handle this is to talk to the, to the parties and, and try to gather evidence. And they, you know, they really can't do that. And it's not appropriate to do that. Uh, as Theo Epstein pointed out in his press conference the other day with Addison Russell playing major league baseball and in a Chicago Cubs uniform. So, uh, I believe that the maximum he can be on administrative leave is seven days. Uh, what ultimately happens after that, I am not sure. Um, and again, I, all I can really say here is I I don't know the truth of what happened. Um, I, I hope that they're able to find that out. Um, but I, all I can, all I can point out is that you know, we, we don't want to say like, oh, well, you know, like, let's move on and, and talk about the baseball stuff. But, I, you know, all, all we can hope is I, I, we don't want to be insensitive to any of these issues. Uh, but I, I think that there's just a certain degree that I, I'm not really qualified to offer much beyond explaining to you guys uh, what has happened and you know, what will happen with the situation. Uh, other than that, I, I, I think we really have to defer to, uh, the authorities and, and the people involved and, and hope that they can, uh, find the, the truth and, and a, and a correct solution to this situation. Yeah. Well, first, first off, it's extremely disappointed. Um, I'm extremely disappointed from, you know, being an Addison Russell fan for the last four years. And, the the main issue goes back to his ex-wife, his family, and the respect of, of letting them figure it out and hopefully coming to an appropriate resolution, a justified resolution as well. Um, but th- those are my thoughts. I, again, extremely disappointed. And allegations like that are extremely serious. And you have to respect people's side. You have to respect Melissa's side of how serious this is. So it's not fair to defend Addison, in my opinion, nor is it fair to uh, accuse Melissa of, of fabricating his story. And we're not qualified to talk about this. So 
I, I will want it. I will bring up some quotes from Theo Epstein. So Theo Epstein said about this in regards to Addison Russell's future. Quote, it's not appropriate to speculate while this step is going on. The whole point of the administrative leave is to provide a better forum for the league to conduct its fact-finding and investigation to ultimately come to a determination of what occurred and then find appropriate discipline. So that's that's where they are. And Theo was asked, hey, like, do you know Addison Russell? Um, just to paraphrase the question. And he said, I know Addison Russell in a baseball context. So you can see from the Cubs front office and executive point of view, they're, they're kind of putting up these barriers, right? They're sticking to baseball. They're letting Major League Baseball go through the investigation. They're letting that process play out. They're going to follow everything that Major League Baseball tells them to do, whether that's discipline, whatever it's going to be. The Cubs are in line with following these protocols that were just agreed upon not too long ago in, what, 2016, following the, following the, uh, the Chapman stuff. So that's what's going to happen. I think there are immediate consequences from a baseball point of view that we can address. But I think ultimately my my final thoughts on this is one. I mean, you guys know Corey and I and and some of our some of our uh, perceptions of stuff like this. This is a disturbing situation. Right. And and we don't want to misconstrue anything. By the end of the day, hopefully, hopefully this can be cleared out because it is so disturbing yeah and and again i think that's that's the nature of it you have to remember that this is not uh necessarily a legal case right now so the way the cubs handle this uh or choose to handle this does not necessarily reflect what goes on in a u.s courtroom uh and i i only say that you know not to push on one side or the other but just to point out that that's the reality of the situation. Um, if they do an investigation and they find that Addison Russell is totally innocent, that doesn't mean that the Cubs have to say, oh, all right, well, great, and he's staying on the team. They can still decide that, you know, they don't like this cloud of stuff around him. And, you know, I, I again, I only point that out because when you read through some of the replies and stuff that we've been getting on Twitter and, you know, that you read on the various news outlets – it it, it it they don't reflect exactly how this situation goes uh you know it, it, this situation in a in a court of law is different than the rules that Theo Epstein has to play by uh that's that's just the reality of the situation so i just want to make sure that people understand that uh like the the cubs don't have to adhere like they're the you know supreme court of the united states they can make a decision based on whatever they want. So I I just, you know, just trying to make sure that we have all this stuff. Um, And again, my final thought is the stuff that's in that letter are serious allegations. Um, I do not know what happened. There are probably only a couple of people that know exactly what happened. Um, And one way or another, uh, I hope that they're able to flesh this out and get to the truth of the matter. And, you know, everybody can uh, proceed from there. But when, when stuff like this is put out there, there, there's no choice for the organization and for Major League Baseball uh, but to look into them because that's that's the seriousness of the claims that were leveled uh, in this blog post. So again, I, I know there's not really um, an easy or natural way to, I, I guess, transition out of that. Um, but ultimately, we, we have to kind of talk about it uh, obviously because it's a serious situation and, you know, the, the role that Addison Russell has certainly played on this team. 
Um, but going forward, it's impossible not to talk about. I mean, this is a guy who uh, had obviously been receiving less starts, uh, but for the better part of the last you know four seasons has been your starting shortstop. And now we are, as we said, seven days from the end of the season here, and he's not going to be there. And I... Again, I don't know exactly what will happen at the end of the administrative leave that he has put on. I'm not sure <laughs> if there's going to be a hearing uh, or what. But that's that's also kind of why I pointed out what I said before. Um, you know, if 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 Melissa decides not to go further again, like she did the last time, and involve the authorities and you know participate in the hearing and all that other stuff. Uh, it may, you know, the situation may just sort of go away again, like it did uh, up until this past week. And then the Cubs are going to have a decision to make. And, and again, why I pointed out that this isn't necessarily a court of law is that the Cubs could decide, you know, look, this isn't necessarily resolved yet. We don't want you around. They're allowed to do that, uh, you know, because it, it the, the, you know, you see a lot of the like innocent until proven guilty uh, thoughts out there. And it's like, I, I understand that, right? Like we understand that that's, that's how stuff works in this country, except that this is a baseball team. Yeah. So, so Theo, they, they, they don't need to wait until, uh, he were proven guilty or if he were proven guilty, um, to decide that they don't want him around. Like that, that's not how it works when you're talking about, um, a baseball team or, you know, a privately employed, Situation, and that's so. That's why I point that out: is that we may come to a point where there is not a definitive answer here uh, as to what happened in this situation. But the Cubs are going to have to make a choice: either to uh, bring him back, put him on the playoff roster, etc. And I, I, you know, I honestly don't know how they're going to handle that. So, uh, but again, you know, you're you're seven days from the end of the season, and you know, a pretty major part of your team uh, is not there, is not going to be there. So. Um, that is where we're at. And I think, you know, like so I said, also, I, I do, I do want this. to point out before we do this. Go ahead. Yeah. Corey, Corey, one last point, though, because it is important. There is a possibility that Russell does request an emergency hearing. And this is through his agent, Scott Boris, to sort of schedule or not even schedule is the right word, but determine immediate course of action for his playing time with the Cubs, because he will be back before this, uh, before the administrative leave. So according to Ken Rosenthal, he tweeted this out yesterday morning, and this was his tweet. MLB's domestic violence policy allows Cubs Russell to request emergency hearing that must take place within 24 hours of him asking to be removed from administrative leave. Sources say Russell, his agent Scott Boris, and the Players Union are strongly considering that option. And I, I want to point out too, the players' union was interesting to me as well. So it's possible that currently, in this in this absence from the team, there is immediate action from his parties and everyone involved to get him back on the field. So it could be kind of a really sticky, odd situation this week with him. So that's where it is. Again, I, I as with any of these situations, uh, I think Brennan and I can only hope that we approach it with the appropriate level of sensitivity. And again, that you guys understand that, you know, look, I, I, I worked in baseball operations for some baseball teams for several years. I'm not really well versed in stuff like this. And uh, I don't I admit that I don't fully understand all that goes into it. 
uh, from any side, you know, even from Addison's side, as far as, you know, the legal battle he, you know, he's facing or anything like that. I really don't understand it from any perspective. So we just do the best that we can. Um, and again, try to be sensitive to the seriousness of the yeah. claims, uh, that are being discussed here. So, um, but we will move on, uh, to baseball, um, you know, for better or worse, and it, it warrants a discussion because, you know, now you are looking at a situation where, you know, Javi's your everyday shortstop and Daniel Murphy or Ben Zobrist or David Bodie uh, are going to be playing second base. You know, there isn't uh, much possibility right now, right, of Javi playing second and, you know, uh, somebody else at short. You know, this is this is sort of um, a, a different dynamic to this team it's you know obviously it's a it's a russell-less team at the moment so that obviously uh changes things you know again he he was i i don't know if phased out is the right word but his his playing time was was different than obviously it's been uh in the past uh recently in this season obviously he's been battling some injury stuff and you know just putting up uh an all-around disappointing season at the plate um but just general I guess general thoughts, Brendan, on on how this may sort of shake things up uh, initially. I, I think it would be a very different situation, you know, if 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 he were, um, you know, hitting better and you know had been comfortably the starting shortstop uh, in this lineup. Which you know, like I said, we we hadn't necessarily been seeing all the time. So perhaps uh, this isn't as much of a shock to the baseball system as it otherwise could have been you're replacing Russell with Mike Freeman. So anytime you do that, it's, it's not good, but overall his playing time was significantly reduced. I always assumed back before we learned about these Russell, um, you know, issues a few days ago that he wouldn't play that much in the postseason just because Murphy was getting back on track. And I said that as much during my solo podcast a week ago, like, yeah, even with Russell struggling, I do want to see Murphy kind of get the majority of the at-bats just to get him going because you know the the ceiling of value for Murphy is greater than Russell in its current state. So I don't really think this, the, the, the overall outlook is going to change for the postseason. You're going to have Murphy in that lineup. You're going to have Zobris in that lineup somehow. How that happens, most likely Murphy at second base and then Zobris either in right field or left field. Russell was always a late-inning defensive replacement, in my mind, come the postseason. So now you just lose that aspect. Who becomes a late-inning defensive replacement? Maybe it's David Bodie, right? So maybe David Bodie comes in, plays second base, he spells Murphy in the seventh inning. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But overall, I don't see a drastic change to this outlook of the team for this season. Next season in 2019, and we can get to it once the season ends, that's a completely different discussion. But for 2018, for the postseason, nothing really changes, I think. Unless someone goes down with an injury, unless KB continues to have the shoulder fatigue, I don't see it changing that much. Yeah, and I you know, I think that obviously this is one of those moments uh, where you do pause and thank your lucky stars for Javier Baez. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, not only... You know, not only from a human perspective, uh, you know, just given the the current discussion, uh, but, you know, he just slots in there this weekend, you know, and obviously, again, he's been playing a lot more shortstop this year than we've seen him in the past, but, you know, he's making diving plays all over the place. He's making, you know, five-star stops, throwing guys out, showing off his his range and his, his strong arm. 
uh, all while, you know, again, continuing to uh, put up numbers that have him pretty firmly in the, the top discussion of the National M- National League MVP race. So it's, uh, you know, obviously a bit of a luxury to be able to uh, have something like this happen to, you know, who was your starting shortstop coming into the year. And, you know, again, on the field, you, you know, don't really uh, miss a step. You know, you, you kind of just, uh, all right, plug this guy in there and, you know, we're going we're gonna to keep on uh, plugging away here. So that's uh, obviously something of note. And, I, you know, I do want to point out, Brendan, you know, as we head into this final week here and as we're sort of looking ahead to everything, it, it, it's a good point to pause and remember that on Saturday, the Cubs pick up their 90th win of the season and that gives them four straight seasons of at least 90-win baseball. When was we the last time that this, happened? Uh, Do you know? You know, I had that written down somewhere, <laughs> but I i don't see it, was it early, right It now. was the early um, 1900s, I can tell you that. No one's ever seen that oh, in their our, lifetimes, put it that way. Got you. Uh, so it, it's just another one of those times to sort of step back and say, you know— at least in Brendan and ours lives, and certainly I think folks that are older than us, um, you know, we've seen some bad baseball. We've we've gone through some bad periods and bad regimes in Cubs history, and this is uh, not one of those. Uh, this team is continually competitive uh, and near the top of not only the National League but Major League Baseball. And you know, I think Theo and, and, and company have talked about this a lot where, you know, they just discuss that, you know, usually your goal in, in, in these seasons is to uh, have a chance, you know, get into the tournament uh, in October and, and to have a chance. And they have uh, done nothing short of that every year since 2015. They have put up a win total uh, that has them deserving to be in the playoffs. And I think that as fans, uh, that's... Uh, you know all we can really ask for and and you know it's just uh it's been a tense couple weeks here you know trying to stave off the brewers and you know the the division lead and the magic number but uh you know remembering that that this is the the fourth year that they've won 90 plus games they're not done in this year either um you know, I think a, a worthwhile moment to to pause and reflect 100 percent. I don't think in our craziest most optimistic dreams did we think the cubs would eventually turn into a juggernaut like this i mean 91 wins currently they're probably going to finish it with at least 93 94 95 wins it's insane that we're sitting here and a lot of these guys are still 25 to 27 years old under team control through 2022 we still have what is that four more seasons left of this that's ridiculous what theo has done but Corey, i want to kind of transition here to what the playoff roster could look like because the Cubs are going to at least at the very minimum get a wild card spot right so by the time you listen to us next they will have clinched a playoff berth of some sort so what does that mean one the Cubs likely will carry uh, 12 pitchers based on their previous postseason runs they always carried 12 pitchers And so we're operating under the assumption of, okay, if they're carrying 12 pitchers, which position players will make the roster? And it comes down to two scenarios. If Addison Russell does make this roster, which I don't think he will, but if he does, then the decision is between Gore and Hap of who gets that last spot. 
Now, if Russell uh, does not make that roster, then the decision is between Hap, or I'm sorry, this, the decision is between Tommy Listella and Gore. So to you, Corey, let's say Russell does make the roster. And weirdly enough, that would just be bizarre. But let's say he does. Who would you pick? Would you pick Hap? Would you pick Gore? You know, we've talked about this briefly, and I, I'm not really sure, you know, but if it were between a particular set of players, I'd have to think really hard about it. Um, you know, and I think you and I have been, I, you know, maybe like particular supporters of Hap um, since he came up, really, but yeah. certainly for most of this year, even when, you know, the the, the struggles were pretty mighty. Um, I I got to tell you, though, man, <laughs> I am really intrigued by what Gore offers as it relates to the MLB playoffs. I I just, he is so fast. And, you know, this is not like, you know, they had Quinton Berry, I think back in uh, 2015, you know, kind of uh, for a similar type thing, defensive replacement, speed guy. This is not that. I mean, Terrence Gore is so fast. Uh, Basically, any ball in play, he's getting to the next base before the ball gets there. It doesn't really seem to even matter what the play is. He beat out a throw uh, at home in this series that, you know, when you're looking at it, if you if you didn't know who was on base, you'd say there's no way that somebody reaches safely on this. Like, it, it couldn't happen. Um, and I'm, in, I'm just intrigued by it just because I, I think, you know, we've seen so many games – in these last few postseasons that are, are decided by a run or by, you know, a particular situation. And I, 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 I again, I'm, I'm, I'm just very so intrigued by the, the possibility. I, again, so, I would want more time to think about it, but I, I, but, but right now, I'm, right now, if you did have to pick, are you not, so you're saying you're not I think I would lean, I think I would lean Gore. I got to be honest with you. I mean, maybe that's crazy. Um, and I, and I, Certainly there's, you know, and part of what you really get into and now, you know, the wheels are sort of spinning, right? But, you know, you you start to think, I think, especially of, okay, well, what if a game goes long and you end up in a situation where the only bat off the bench is now Terrence Gore? Who's going to regret that, you know, and how quickly, right? Yeah, and you um, probably would immediately say you want to go on this line or in this roster if that were to happen. You know that. Right. But I... You know, I, I don't know. I just I just think of some of those tight games that the Cubs have played um, and having the ability to, you know, have one of these guys take a walk, uh, get Gore on there. And, you know, look, I mean, he's got like an 85% plus success rate in terms of stealing bases. Um, so you put him on there, you've got a pretty strong likelihood that he can end up either in scoring position uh, from second, which, I, I mean, even an infield single, he might be able to score from, <laughs> from second on. Uh, and certainly, you know, he might be able to get himself to third. And then, you know, you look to uh, ideally in that spot, you know, someone like Zobris, Murphy, Rizzo, get the contact, get the guy in. Um, maybe that's, maybe that's you know, micromanaging and projecting too much for, for particular situations. Um, but, you know, they played a lot of one-run, two-run games over the course of these these last few playoffs. Uh, and so, I, I again, I, I think the, the, the key word here, Pee Wee's word of the day, is uh, intrigued. Because I just, I, I, it's, it's hard not to sort of be taken aback a little bit by just how fast he is and how seemingly easy it is for him to set up uh, a run. And maybe this is compounded by, 
you know, obviously these last few days, the, the Cubs offense looks better. And in uh, the majority of that Arizona series, it looks better. But, you know, we've just seen this offense kind of sputter at times and look a little lifeless. And it's hard not to think like, all right, well, what if this happens in the playoffs? You know, you're facing Kershaw or one of these guys. Um, and you just need to, you know, create a run out of thin air. And Gore sort of gives you that that possibility. So I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Okay. Well, for, for me, it's not really that hard of a of a decision and it's it may not even be a popular one right now but even with Hap's struggles leaving his bat out of the roster for a, a hitter who really just can't hit is is something that I'm not comfortable with at the current moment uh I mean Hap's overall numbers this year are still above league average from Woba to WRC plus whatever you want to look at Hap also is the fastest Cubs base runner on this team, not in terms of efficiency or value, but just in terms of sprint speed. He is the fastest, of course, not including Gore, but you get the idea. Uh, At the same time, I I, I hear you. I I do think it does make something very intriguing to think about. If if you're in the eighth inning, Schwarber gets on, you pinch run for Schwarber with Gore, and you're basically turning into a single or a walk into a double. So I get it. But I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel as if you don't want to put your team in situations where you have to do that. Now, how do you do that? You put up you put the best squad in the lineup. You you bat hap, you pinch hit him, you get that power potential. Maybe he puts one in his seats. So that's where I kind of think about it. The Quinton Berry uh, pickup actually was in 2016. I, I thought it was 2015 as well. Um, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it, it does say 2016 here. And we didn't really see Barry making a, a substantial impact that I don't season. think he was as fast as Gore, though. No, but he still was one of the faster base yes. runners yes. that is in the game. I would say top 10%, if, if maybe even higher. So it wasn't as if we were leaning upon, oh, thank God we have Quentin Berry. We can pinch run, you know, anyone for Quentin Berry. It never got to that point. So that's what I'm trying to say. And I think even in the World Series when the Cubs pinch ran with Almora, having guys off the bench with instinctual base running as well, like Almora, is also a benefit. And you have to consider that when you're trying to think about ways to maximize your chances of scoring through base running is you have a lot of smart guys on that bench in addition to Gore. So that's where I am. If the season were to, if the postseason were to start today, there's really no thought process in my mind. I would just immediately go to Hap. Now give me another week. Maybe like you think about it a little bit more, see where the Cubs roster and, and total makeup of the offense occurs. And then I can reconsider it. But I just, it's it's difficult for me to reconcile. Yeah, we're going to have Gore over Ian Happ, who has a 326 Woba and a 102 WRC+. Plus. I, it's just, that's something that's very difficult for me to reconcile. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, we'll see exactly how this uh, shakes out. I think this, this last week, you know, again, obviously with the Russell situation, um, you know, but just also guys' performances, you know, uh, as we head in there, you know, you, you may have a, a clearer idea uh, if you are able to lock up the division, you know, the two teams you might be facing, um, you know, Milwaukee one yeah. way or another will be one of them. Um, you know, and you can look at, okay, if it's Milwaukee and St. Louis or Milwaukee and Colorado playing in that wild card game, you know, what kind of little, 
you know, nuances to the roster uh, might we think about or anything like that. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. I, I, you did mention um, when you were talking just there, uh, Almora tagging up in the in the World Series. I, I, were you? Is that a reference to the World Series in 2016 that the Cubs won? Yeah, the Game Seven in which the Cubs won uh, the World Series. It was, I believe, in the extra innings of Game Seven, in which they ended up winning the World Series. Oh, as well. all right. Yeah, no, I just like to clarify. People yeah, you just, you, you know, you want to clarify that as often as you can. But you always want to clarify. So, you want to be specific here, of course. Speaking of that, I mean, one just, I, I, I want to touch on it just a little bit more. Um, you know, before we get into this upcoming week here, um, I, I, I mentioned it in the thing, but I, I, I do want to read off this stat about Kyle Hendricks, and I, I alluded to it when I was talking about it earlier that. Uh, you know, we kind of are seeing that vintage Kyle Hendricks um, lately, and it, and it and it stretches beyond just his start against the White Sox and uh, that almost complete game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, in his last seven starts, a one point five five ERA, forty six and a third innings pitched, thirty six hits, six walks, thirty six Ks, and a WHIP of 0.906. Brendan, that is... That is, yep. That's, that is I mean, that's that's Kyle vintage Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks. You know, that is Cy Young-level stuff. Uh, that is, you know, stuff that over the course of a full season, you know, would have him in a, a, a horse race with Jacob deGrom uh, for the Cy Young. And, you know, look, he, I, he hasn't put up those numbers all year uh, like deGrom has, but he's putting them up at the best time if if you are the cubs if you're the cubs and a a, a cubs fan like us um he just looks really good and you know i think uh one of the more important details is we're seeing him going deep into games you know especially these last two again eight and two-thirds uh against the diamondbacks earlier in the week and then seven and two-thirds uh on sunday against the white Sox. and he's not walking people he's getting whiffs he's getting strikeouts he's you know as we've seen throughout his career generating tons and tons of weak contact sort of just just baiting the hitters into swinging at pitches they're not going to be able to do a lot with not going to be able to put uh the barrel on and he's doing it masterfully and you know again you're, you're looking at the point here where we're getting to the final starts uh of the season for some of these guys you know we're, we're headed into this this last stretch here and it's it's difficult for Hendricks to look any better than he does right now and I I think that that was my major takeaway uh from the weekend on the south side of Chicago there's an awful lot going on uh with the Cubs but what really stood out to me was Kyle Hendricks looks ready uh to you know along with the rest of this staff anchor a postseason run yeah and we were looking back in the beginning of the season probably around what may or june and Hendricks was giving up homer after homer after homer right we even talked about that in one of these podcasts like hey what is up with Hendricks' homer rate and i was never concerned i forgot where you were Corey, when we were talking about this but i wasn't concerned i don't know if i was necessarily concerned it just was sort of alarming that you know how many home runs yeah and I, I made the point too that his home run rate was essentially on par with last year's home run rate and that doesn't mean that he was going to be 100 percent okay 
But in comparison to last year to this year, the major difference was that he was still throwing hard this year, and his changeup was still moving, and he was still getting whiffs, and he was still generating weak contact. He was just giving up, for whatever reason, some inconsistent pitches that were up in the zone, and he was giving up homers. Now, that's fixed. And I'm not surprised that's fixed, because one, it's Kyle Hendricks, and two, his stuff has not really gotten, quote-unquote, better as the year progressed. It's just been more fine-tuned. And there was never a major change that occurred. So he always had this in him. So I think it's a good reminder, too, when we look at these pitchers and when they go through bad stretches, you always want to ask yourself the question, is the stuff bad? And for Hendricks, the entire year, the answer has been no. The stuff has been good the entire year. Now he's just tidying up the command to the, to the degree of 2016, and that's extremely exciting. So when we go into this postseason, you have a rotation. If the Cubs get to the NLDS and they clinch this division, which they are very likely to do, but if they do so, you're looking at Hendricks probably game one, Lester, Hamels, Quintana um, in, in that order. Maybe Hamels goes up in the second spot or Lester in the third spot, whatever they want to do. But no matter who starts when, that rotation is really encouraging. And I think you look back in July, it may have been difficult to imagine you being comfortable with this rotation, but here we are in, in on the last week of the season, and you're looking at four guys who may end up being the best rotation in the National League. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, look, obviously the start in Arizona, not what uh, Cole Hamels was hoping for, but he's turned in an awful lot of good starts uh, for this team. And yeah, you know, look, it, it, it's um, it's been an up and down year for for the rotation. Uh, obviously, two fifths of who you started with are nowhere to be found here as we enter the last week of the season. So, I think uh, a very admirable job by this group. Uh, you know, I think especially led by Lester uh, and Hendricks for you know the the majority of the season here. Um, but I, you know, I think I think Q has looked pretty good as we head down the stretch here, and obviously Hamels, uh, again, you know, nine times out of ten has been lights out for this team. So I think the rotation is in a good place. I, you know, I think that uh, again, this team has. It's been an interesting year, Brennan. I, I, I'm not sure I could really sum up my feelings, uh, you know, as we head into the last week of the I'm season. I'm exhausted here on, from the season. On, you know, this team. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little uh, mentally exhausting yeah. for, for a, a variety of different reasons. Um, you know, but for every game, you know, like Friday, where they look uh, lifeless and you're, you're confused as to how uh, some guy with a, you know, four and a half, five ERA or whatever is dicing them up. You know, they play two more the rest of the weekend where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, this is why this team is really good. And, you know, they, <laughs> these players are really good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, are they in a perfect spot? You know, probably not. But I, I think, you know, for everything that's gone on and where everything is with the roster right now, I think this team is uh, in a pretty good spot. And, you know, it goes back to what I said, you know, talking about them winning 90 games. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to have a chance. They're going to be able to uh, turn to guys, especially in the rotation, uh, that are really seasoned veterans um, and not just in a major league sense, but in a postseason baseball sense. You know, Cole Hamels has pitched a lot of postseason baseball. So has John Lester. Um, you know, Quintana's gotten experience, you know, now that he's with the Cubs. Uh, and Kyle Hendricks has as well, you yeah, know, and this yeah. is a guy who started game seven of the World Series, uh, pitches game one of the biggest of games in Chicago yeah. Cubs history, uh, right, in the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, you know, I think that's, it's not the worst place to be, uh, I guess is is <laughs> is how I would uh 
is how I would phrase that. But yeah, you know, look, uh, I will I will turn it to you, Brendan, and we can kind of take a look uh, at the final seven days of the year here. We've only got uh, two. You know, this is, uh, you know, much in, much in Hawk's, in the spirit of Hawk Harrelson's departure, you know, I want to uh, give Brendan a lot of credit for the, the series previews that he's done. Wow. And, uh, you know, this is the second to last <laughs> one uh, of the regular season. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Brendan. Uh, I know you're fighting back tears, much like Hawk was uh, on, on the broadcast <laughs> here as we as we finished another uh Another regular season of the Cubs-related podcast. Oh, man. i got to put this in my calendar when Corey gives me compliments here. Okay. Uh, so they will be playing the Pirates for a, uh, what do we got, four-game set. So the Cubs will have the majority of the afternoon off tomorrow. They will report to Wrigley Field for a 7.05 p.m. Central start time. You'll have Cole Hamels on the mound in that first game, whose total record this year is 9-10 with a 3.9 ERA. If you remember, his last start against the Diamondbacks was not good. Gave up over five, six. I think it ended up being six runs, if I remember. Uh, gave up a lot of long balls, so he'll look to rebound there. He'll face Jamison Tyone, who for, for the Pirates has been pretty good this year. 13-9, a 3.24 ERA. You guys know a lot about Tyone. He's a multi-pitch guy, big guy, uh, hard stuff, good breaking stuff. On Tuesday, another night game. The entire series is full of night games, which is good for the Cubs. Mike Montgomery will take the mound, who's 5-5 five five this year, a 3.75 ERA. An underrated asset for this team in general. We've talked about this, but hopefully Monty continues to get these this, this many whiffs. He'll oppose Chris Archer for the Pirates, who's 5-8, and eight, a 4.49 ERA. Archer has not looked good for the Pirates since being acquired uh, from the Rays, and the Pirates gave up a pretty hefty package to get this guy. Um, and then on Wednesday... Another 7.05 p.m. start time. You'll have Ivan Nova for the Pirates, 9-9, a 4.01 ERA. Of course, the Cubs are very familiar with Nova's stuff. He's predominantly a fastball uh, changeup guy. Doesn't really get that many whiffs. A lot of contact. Very high grounder rate for the Cubs. It will be Jose Quintana, 13-11 with a 4.11 ERA. Q for the better I would say the better half of the second half, he's been pretty good, uh, most recently too, which is encouraging. And then on Thursday, to finish off the four-game set, you'll have John Lester on the mound, your boy Corey. He's 17-6 with a 3.43 ERA. He'll face Trevor Williams for the Pirates, who, if I remember correctly last time, gave the Cubs a lot of trouble. Williams this year is 14-9 with a 3.04 ERA. Pirates have a lot of good young talent on this team, most of which are arms. Um, they've been struggling. Their total record is 78-76. and 76. They dropped two of three to Milwaukee this past weekend. Uh, they got slammed by Milwaukee in that last game, which was Sunday. And then I'm also going to just kind of lay out the landscape here for the Brewers. They're going to be going to St. Louis on Monday, and they're going to have a three-game set against St. Louis. Uh, just briefly read off the matchups there. Uh, so... Chase Anderson will go game one. G. Gonzalez will go game two. And then Julius Chassin will go game three. For the Cardinals, they're going to have their B squad out there. They're going to have Jack Flaherty. They're going to have Austin Gomber and then John Gant. So, um, you know, those guys have actually pitched well recently, but not guys uh, that you're familiar seeing, like Carlos Martinez, who's in, in their bullpen. So that's it. That's where we are right now as it stands. The Cubs remain two and a half games up of the Brewers and four and a half games up of the Cardinals. 
Cardinals are basically out of the division. There's seven games left here. They're they're basically done. Um, now for the Pirates, or for the Brewers, rather, they're going to have to basically play nearly perfect if the Cubs end up splitting these remaining games here. So that's where we are. Cubs are in a very favorable position here, but at the end of the day, you want a few things to happen. One, of course, win these games. Two, the starting pitching continuing to look well, if that is the case with the offense seeking up. I think ultimately, this is kind of what you expected or hoped you would see the Cubs do entering October. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I guess uh, a decent amount going on in this last week here. Uh, Very nice that it's all at Wrigley Field. Uh, So if the Cubs are able to win the division, it will be at Wrigley Field. Uh, I think you know... Very well, Brendan. I, I very much look forward to uh, that party, should should we get there. So some interesting things about that Thursday game. Uh, first of all, it is technically, I, I didn't go over the rules with uh, at Cubs, Brendan. I, I can talk to them maybe on Thursday at uh, social media night. But I believe that technically that is John Lester's last uh, attempt to hit the second home run that forces me to... <laughs> get a tattoo obviously i think uh you guys know me at this point uh if john lester hits a home run in the playoffs i would probably be willing to extend uh uh, the period um i would be pretty happy with that well you would have to get the tattoo immediately if it happens in the playoffs i'm talking like if he hits a homer that night you're you're getting a tattoo that night i don't know about that but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when okay. we get there. Um, the other thing I would say is hopefully, you know, things are, are potentially wrapped up by Thursday, but I would ask you to keep a small, a small part of your brain. Try and remember, uh, Trevor Williams, if he does happen to dice up the Cubs or create problems for us, he has been extremely good against the Milwaukee Brewers this year. Uh, He has been, for whatever reason, every time they play the Brewers, the only game the Pirates win is started by Trevor Williams. So just, you know, remember that, that, you know, sometimes we have to, you know, maybe endure a a battle with someone, but they've they've done a lot of good for the Chicago Cubs uh, throughout the year. So we're going to take it easy on Trevor if he's good against the Cubs, because I I, honestly, I'm not kidding. I think he's beaten the Brewers like three or four times himself. Uh, so I, I, why that is, I don't know, but he's been very helpful in terms of, uh, keeping this division where it is. Um, the other thing about Thursday is that it does line up going back to what you were talking about a moment ago, Brendan, it does line up John Lester, uh, to be available for, uh, a wild card game. He would be, I believe on normal rest for that game. Uh, and then extra rest if obviously the Cubs win the division and are only concerned with game one of the NLDS. I I know they pushed Lester back a day uh, just to get him extra rest. I, I don't think it was necessarily with that in mind, uh, just to sort of keep him fresh as we head into these last couple starts here. Uh, but worth noting that in terms of where it is lined up without any maneuvering over this last week, John Lester you know, probably that guy right now, uh, unless they, you know, decided to give him extra rest and go Hendricks or something like that. But just, you know, sort of, uh, keeping in, keeping an eye on where that is in terms of the natural setup of things. But yeah, I mean, look, it's pretty simple. Um, you're at home for seven games. Uh, if you win five of them, 
it doesn't matter what Milwaukee does. Uh, so I, you know, I think that's obviously the best strategy. Um, but you know, look, they, they, they took care of business this weekend. Um, we always say it, it's, it's, you never expect or demand a sweep of anybody. It, we said that the first time they played the White Sox this year and they lost that last game with a chance to sweep, uh, you know, and obviously they didn't sweep in this series, but they got the job done. And at, and at this point in the year, uh, that is all that matters. They're playing a Pirates team that is not in the playoffs, um, you know, is sort of done being competitive in that regard. And, you know, you've got them at home. You've, you've got to pick up some victories here. And, uh, you know, hopefully it doesn't last into that Cardinal series. But, you know, same thing. Like the Cardinals are fighting for a playoff spot. They're, they're a competitive team. But, you know, you, you've, you've been ahead of them the entire year. And, uh, you know, if it comes down to having to beat them in your ballpark, you know, you've got to get the job done. So uh, I think that, you know, the Cubs are probably very happy to, you know, be able to stay in Chicago, get that extra rest, you know, no extra traveling for this last week and a half of the season. Um, and, you know, they're in a good spot. I, I think we all would have would have enjoyed them maybe having this wrapped up earlier, you know, and been able to put a little more emphasis on rest and stuff like that. Uh, but not the case. So, you know, we head into this. Yeah, you know, we head into this last week here, uh, two and a half up in the division, a magic number of five. That's a, a pretty favorable position. So I think all things considered, you know, with everything that has gone on this year uh, in terms of injuries and stuff like that, I think it's uh, uh, a welcome position for the Cubs to be in. And like I said, uh, you know, from my perspective, you know, as somebody going to these games and, you know, that's that's been here the whole summer, um, I, you know, it's, it's exciting, you know, to be able to go to Wrigley Field every night this week. Um, and you know, the, the playoffs are around the corner and, you know, one of the nights, hopefully you're celebrating winning the division. Uh, did, you know, it again goes back to that, you know, kind of discussion on them winning 90 plus games, uh, every year since 2015. It's a, it's a very exciting time to be a fan and, uh, you know, especially heading into weeks like this, I, I always like to pause and, you know, just kind of remember, uh, you know, how cool it is that, that this is the, the context of these games and uh, they're, they're meaningful and exciting. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we've got a few uh, champagne celebrations headed our way as we uh, move rather quickly toward October here, Brendan. But uh, I think all told, uh, a good weekend on the field for the Cubs. They, they took care of business on the south side. Uh, you know, the White Sox want to win some of these games. Uh, you took two or three, and you know you've set yourself up to uh, just sort of come home, take care of business, and uh, move on to the playoffs here. Yep. Last thought, of course, got to give my weather breakdown. The forecast for Chicago this entire week is pretty nice. So we're talking sixty-five to seventy-five degrees every day, and the highest chance of rain is only twenty percent on Tuesday. So Corey, you will be sitting through some pleasant weather. So congratulations to you. Of course, the Cubs deserve some better weather, but there's going to be no rain delays. The Cubs will get all their games in this week, so that's good news. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting as we head toward uh, October here in Chicago because, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but some people, uh, me, uh, don't necessarily pack that well when they come to Chicago. I kind of act... I live in California a lot, so... um, Let's just say I have a lot of shorts and T-shirts, which um, not going to be that helpful in the coming weeks here. So I'm going to have to uh, going to have to rectify that. I'm not much of a planner, Brendan. You know, it's I mean, you uh, and I did sit not my strong a, uh, suit. We sat through a game that was raining the entire time, no umbrella, nothing. 
Remember that? <laughs> the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. Not the best planners. Yeah. yeah. No. So, you know, uh, I might have to, you know, go get a long sleeve shirt or, you know, maybe if they win the division, I can get one of those long sleeve uh, go, NL Central uh, Champions. Just go wear your World Championship uh, beanie, you know, get good use out of that. I didn't bring that either. That's, That's what I'm saying. I, it, I, I don't plan for these that things. That is just dumb. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're going. You're probably going to be there in October and November in Chicago. Like, yeah, all right, I'll bring, I don't know, what, what one pair of pants? Sure. Oh, yeah, Again, yeah. not my strong suit. Uh, I, look, I'm just trying to watch baseball, man. I, I don't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't sign up for any sense. of that. This That's is planning. and common sense from you. I, I never claimed to have any of that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. If uh, any of you are going to be attending the uh, social media night at Wrigley Field on Thursday, uh, let me know. I'll be there. Um, I know I think uh, Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com will be there representing the brand. Um, I'll be there, you know, as a disciple of the brand and also repping the podcast. Um, But it sounds like, you know, a lot of people... uh, going to be out there and then you know usually it's a fun night with some you know some games and trivia and stuff like that uh but it's cool you know also to uh put a face to some of the names i've had uh you know the pleasure of meeting some of you guys uh at the ballpark at social media night and uh it's always cool to you know be able to interact with someone that otherwise you know you just uh sort of tweet at or uh talk to on the internet it's kind of uh basically brendan and i's relationship so <laughs> Uh, it you know it's interesting the couple times in our lives that Brendan and I actually get to uh, exist in the same room together. Uh, so if you're going to be there, let me know. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, uh, it's a good time you know to uh, be watching this Cubs team, and I hope that this week is as exciting as it sort of uh, has set up to be. Uh, the Cubs, you know, again at home. TCB and the division is yours. And I think that that is uh, a good place to be. So with that, uh, I think that is all we have for uh, you this weekend. We, of course, will come to you after the Cubs and Pirates finish up on Thursday night. And of course, you know, that episode will be our last episode. series preview of the year and you know hopefully we are talking about the cubs uh winning the division and other than that uh, i don't think that there is that much else uh, that we have for you guys as always uh we will keep you updated as we head towards october here uh, as far as what our schedule is going to be uh, over this next week it will be exactly the same uh you know the series preview Uh, and review on Thursday night, Friday morning for you guys, talking about the Pirate Series, looking ahead to that Cardinal Series, and then probably in that uh, episode or maybe the one following the Cardinal Series, we kind of have a better idea of when will we be coming to you guys uh, before the playoffs start, which uh, is always exciting. We love doing those episodes. So um, you can always look for us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Every episode is on Spotify. We are available on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, and again, uh, not on Blog Talk Radio anymore. They have moved things over to Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. So if you were looking for us on BTR, you can now find us on uh, the Spreaker page. And on any of those, you just search Cubs-related podcast, and you will find us. 
Other than that, guys, we will talk to you uh, again on Thursday, and I would be more than happy to do that podcast uh, covered in, it probably won't be champagne, but maybe uh, Miller Lite, maybe from Murphy's Bleachers or something like that. Uh, If that's the case, I promise I will not change before we record this podcast. Uh, I will do it fresh. Uh, and still reeking of uh, another division championship. So hopefully uh, that is how this week looks for us. Uh, As always, we thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, We see those reviews coming in on iTunes, uh, and we always appreciate uh, the feedback and to hear from you guys. Uh, So we will talk to you on Thursday night or Friday morning, depending on uh, when you are listening. We thank you again for uh, tuning in with us and letting us uh, talk Cubs with you. And go Cubs!